Well, Happy New Year to you all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've heard your word, and I pray now that you would attend us with the power of your Holy Spirit to make this word sink deep into our hearts. I pray that as I preach this word, you would give clarity, uh, conviction, boldness, and great love. And I pray that as we enter this new year, we would be marked by holy courage. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, a new year means a transition, doesn't it? A transition from the old to the new, with new horizons and new challenges, I think, for us all. Uh, we wish people a happy, prosperous, and successful new year, don't we? I just wish you a happy new year. But, but what does the Christian need to make that happen, to make it prosperous and successful? What do you need for 2023? Well, I'm going to suggest that the most important thing that we need at Calvary Grace Church for all that is ahead in 2023, seen and unseen, planned and unplanned, what we need most is holy courage. Holy courage, friends. And I think that the book of Joshua helps us to see that we need it and how we gain it. Now, the book of Joshua is the beginning in and of itself, a transition in the structure of the Scriptures. It follows Deuteronomy and the first five books of the Bible, often referred to as the Torah. Then Joshua begins this stretch of what we call the historical books of the Bible, running from Joshua to Esther. There's also a transition in the history of Israel. If you like, Joshua is a book that takes the first five books of the Bible and sees how they work out in the life of Israel as they move into the promised land. And finally, there's a, a transition from old leadership to new leadership. Moses is dead. Now enter Joshua onto center stage. Joshua, who'd been Moses' understudy, if you remember. His assistant, he's called up to the front. After Moses led them out of slavery to Egypt, and after 40 years in the wilderness, the people of Israel stand poised to cross the Jordan and enter Canaan, a land of milk and honey. And Joshua is charged by God to lead them into the fullness of the promise of their inheritance. It is a defining moment. It is a new era. It is a transition. And the central charge from God to Joshua is a call to be courageous. It is a call to holy courage. That's the central charge. You see it there in verse 6 and again in verse 7. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. A third time in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Moses says the same to Joshua in Deuteronomy 20, uh, 31 verse 6. Moses knows that God will commission Joshua to take the people into Canaan. So he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
And further on in that same chapter, the Lord himself exhorts Joshua, be strong and courageous. You see, Joshua is surrounded by this charge to have holy courage. The message of the book of Joshua is God saying, go forth and possess your inheritance that I have given into your hands. Go forth and possess it. For Israel, that was Canaan. For the Christian, it is all the benefits that we have in Christ. You have them, now press on and take possession of them experientially. For Israel, it meant conquest in the face of uh, opposition to occupy the land as had been promised to Abraham. For the church, it is not a holy war in terms of physical fighting, but a holy war in terms of spiritual fighting, taking ground for the kingdom in pursuit of your personal holiness and in pursuit of the proclamation and spread of the gospel to all the nations against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And for that, friends, you need holy courage. Now, you'll remember, if you're familiar, that Israel had been disobedient to the call to enter Canaan in the past. In Numbers chapter 13, we see how Moses sends a posse of spies into Canaan to report on the situation. And they, they come back with reports of the strength of the tribes and the size of them and, and even how there are giants among them. You see, they lacked courage. They were afraid, and the people then rebelled against Moses and ultimately against the Lord. Only Caleb and Joshua stood firm, grieving at the unbelief of the people and exhorting them to go forward in faith. So God pronounces a judgment that no one over 20 years old would enter the promised land, even faithful Moses himself. Now, as we come to Joshua 1, Moses is dead, and it's time for a new man to lead the people over the Jordan for this task. It takes holy courage. So friends, I submit to you that the leaders in the church need courage if they will take their people onwards. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua's courageous leadership is integral to Israel taking their inheritance in the promised land. You see, if pastors are not strong and courageous, how will the people be so? You notice even in this passage just beyond in verse 18 at the end of the chapter, even the leaders of Israel under Joshua who promised to obey Joshua, they exhort Joshua to be strong and courageous. They know they need him to be strong and courageous. God, Moses, the people. Joshua is surrounded by this charge, be strong and courageous. And where you have courageous leadership in the church, you have courageous churches. You need courage, friends, because the task will be difficult. There will be opposition and many trials in the Christian life this year. And you can't move forward into a new year and retreat as soon as you meet difficulty and resistance. That is the coward's way. The Christian is called to courage that will overcome. But, note this, it is not a strength of courage as the world sees it. It's not a worldly courage. 
It's not a courage that we might even admire in the world, the, the courage of an athlete in the arena, the courage of a, of a woman who, who gives birth through much pain, the courage of a child who overcomes fear of water, for instance, and, and learns to swim. Oh, there are many brave people out there, but there are many brave people who don't have holy courage. The bravery that, that come, comes from Fear, anger, or simply stoic resolve is not holy courage. The courage that Joshua is called to have is a courage only believers can have. And any believer in here can have it. And you're called to have it, for it is a Holy Spirit-given courage. It is holy courage, and yet God commands it, so He must provide it, surely. Now, does God simply zap strength of courage into a man or woman's heart? Well, I suggest he does create it, but notice how he does it. In the passage, he gives reasons to Joshua that underpin the call to be strong and courageous. And I think there are four general principles here in the passage that apply to us today. Truths that if we, if we grasp them, will make us courageous people who will go forth and take ground for the kingdom of God in 2023. Take ground for the kingdom of God, first in the pursuit of personal holiness, and second in the spread of the gospel to all the nations. The first principle to see is that the purposes of God stand. The purposes of God stand. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Mo Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. God had raised up Moses. He, he meets him at the burning bush, you'll remember. He sends him to deliver Israel from Pharaoh and slavery and take them into the promised land. But through suffering and trial and a wilderness experience, he preserves Moses and the people. And even when the people turn against Moses, God stands by him. And then, according to his sovereign choice, God takes Moses home before he sees the promised land of Canaan. Moses has gone, but God's purposes stand. And he continues his purposes through Joshua. Friends, take this principle all the way through church history, from Moses to Joshua to the early church and to us. And you see that people and personalities come and go, but God's purposes go on. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells the twelve, go make disciples of all nations. And that is still going on today, you see. The Lord Jesus Christ's purposes are bigger than those first 12 disciples. It wasn't going to be fulfilled in that generation. It was a multi-generational command that reaches us and includes us. Moses was a big character. How could Joshua possibly succeed him? Well, that's the point. It's not about personality or giftedness. It's about God's unchanging and unstoppable purposes. Our Lord Jesus Christ, what did he say? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The Great Commission, friends, is bigger than us. Therefore, our primary pet prayer is not give me my daily bread, but your kingdom come. Little things that don't matter and even little things that do will die with us. 
But it is God's purposes and the spread of his kingdom rule that should activate and animate us until he comes again or we die and go to him. Yes, pray for daily bread, but pray for it only in as much as it keeps you alive for kingdom purposes. You see, that's how you pray. That's kingdom praying over your daily bread. Are you concerned, let me ask you, are you concerned in any small measure here today about the spread of the gospel and the establishment of new churches, outposts of the gospel as it goes further and further afield? See what we're swept up in, something huge, something wonderful, something of eternal value. Helping to plant little communities of faith like our sister church, Grace Church Cochrane. Jeff Jones is moving on. Soon he'll be gone, but the purposes of God stand. His purposes go on, and a new man will be chosen to lead the people on. And this church is about actual human beings who need care and instruction until they become independent. How will you be involved in this in this coming year? In your praying, maybe in your going. How about in your financial giving? Is God stirring in your heart something for the mission field, even further abroad? I've just returned from preaching at a leaders' conference in Zambia. The man spearheading the Central Africa Baptist University, training men and women for the mission field, is a man called Phil Hunt, American. It's inspiring to hear him speak. It's inspiring to be amongst the likes of him and, and pastors like Conrad and Bayway. Phil Hunt, 33 years in Africa, a life given for Christ. He and his wife have seven children, four, I believe, live in the U.S., all believers. They miss them greatly, but Phil says this, we have eternity to spend with our children. We have only moments here on earth to do kingdom work. What a perspective that is, eh? To inspire you further to a kingdom mindset, a mindset on God's purposes, register for our winter conference on February 3rd and 4th. It's called Calgary Heralds, announcing the good news today. You'll hear all about evangelism and the furtherance of the gospel. As we move into a new year, The very fact that God's purposes stand unchanged and unstoppable is enough to make you strong and courageous in pursuit of them. It is enough to cause holy courage in his people. That's the first principle, the purposes of of God stand. The second principle is the promises of God are fulfilled. Notice verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. That promise made to Moses does not die with Moses. God passes it on to Joshua. It's the same promise he made to Abraham, you remember, a promise of land and a name and offspring. And He's saying to, to Joshua here, feed your soul, Joshua, on promises of God and find assurance here. But God works out the fulfillment of those promises in contradiction to what the world promises for prosperity. God's people will suffer. It's not plain sailing. Joshua 
will face battles and opposition ahead, even as he takes the land. But Joshua can anchor his life to the certainty that God never breaks promises. He always fulfills them. And you know here, many of you, those who trust him fully find him true. God fulfills his promises, friends, but they are also full promises. He fulfills them, but they're full promises. They are lavishly generous and expansive. Look, he says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you. Every place you step, I'm going to give it to you. From the wilderness, carries on in verse 4, the wilderness, southern border, and this Lebanon, that's the northern border, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, that's the eastern border, flows through Babylon, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that's the uh, western border, the Mediterranean Sea, all of that shall be your territory. It's not a small parcel of land. It's not a little acreage east of Calgary. It's a big land, and it's the best land. God is giving the best to them. A land of milk and honey. It expands in all directions. He said, it's yours, all of it. All of it, it's the, it's the prime land and it's yours. And Joshua will lead the people into it, and no opposition will be able to stand in their way as they go forth in faith in God's promise. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That's what God's saying to us. Fight the battles, because I'll fight for you. Reach out into the future, because I'll secure it for you. This is the promise of God's provision for you, Christian here today. Friends, God not only fulfills his promises, but his promises are full. And we know from the New Testament, don't we, that in Christ, all the promises of God find their yes. So Jesus can say, I came that they may have life and have it, you know the, the end of that, abundantly. Abundantly. The Apostle John tells us that we have received grace upon grace. Not just grace, grace upon grace. Peter says that grace is multiplied to us. But friends, you can't retreat and go back to Egypt. You can't tippy-toe around here. You've got to go over the Jordan, and you've got to grasp it by faith. Now, the new year always brings in New Year's resolutions, I'm sure, Many of you have made some resolutions already. You've probably broken them already. We're only a few hours in. Eat better, get fitter, you know, join the gym. My brother-in-law does it every couple of years, pays a fortune to join a gym, and he never sees it through past February. I just say you could be much cheaper for you. Just buy a pair of running shoes and go jog around the block a few times. The resolutions don't stand. We, we forget them. We, we fail to keep them by the end of January. In general, we make promises to ourselves and even to others. How many times have you said, oh, I'll pray for you? And then you never have. And even with the best will in the world, a dad can, can promise his children something and it isn't guaranteed he'll follow through all the time. He may forget. He may fail. He might be prevented literally by circumstances. But God, the Heavenly Father, always fulfills his promises to his children, and his promises are full. You see, it's the Christian who knows God's purposes stand and believes he fulfills his promises 
It's that Christian who's stirred to be strong and courageous. And that Christian also knows the promise of the presence of God with us. So first principle, God's purposes stand. Second principle, God's promises are fulfilled. Third principle, God's presence is with us. God's presence is with us. Just look at verse 5 in the text. Just halfway through, verse 5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Again in verse 9, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God was calling Joshua to step out of Moses' shadow and take the lead. In some ways, it would have been comfortable to be in the assistant role and and, and not the main man. It's the main man, you see, who gets all the criticism and takes the brunt of all the attacks. I'm just the associate pastor here. Clint's the man that takes the brunt of, of, of all the attacks. We obviously support him and as, 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 as elders, but he's, he's, he's the lead pastor. A, a, and Joshua was that assistant. Now he's going to step out to the front. What's he going to need? He's going to need strength and courage. Not based on his personality or gifts, because he's not as gifted as Moses. There's no one like Moses. But it's based on God's presence with him. See, it's often easy to look at gifted pastors and think that their talents got them their success. No. It's the giver of the gifts who says, it is my presence that matters. It is my presence that matters. Joshua wasn't successful because he was skilled, but because God was with him and fought for him. Chapter 10, verse 42, says it in the text, and Joshua captured all these kings and their land at one time. Why? Because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. God's presence with us. This is the promise of Christmas, right? Fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's what Jesus promises to all his people. I will be with you to the end of the age. How are you going to put sin in your life to to death this year? How are you going to do that? By knowing Christ has died for that sin and you are united to him by faith forever. Communion. We just celebrated communion and that union we have with Christ by faith. You see, you are never alone, friends, in the fight. You are never alone in the fight, brothers and sisters. He is there. He is with you in his majesty and his compassion and his power. You may fear certain circumstances ahead in 2023. What might they be? Bring them to your minds right now. I'm sure they're, they're ready to rise up. But remember, he is the shepherd of, of Psalm 23, who is with you in trials and protects you against destruction from your enemies. So stop living in fear and discouragement, friends, and start living in the conscious reality of the presence of God with you. And even if you don't feel him, he will be with you. He will be with you. On January 14th, 1856, that's a while ago now, David Livingston, missionary to Africa, wrote this in his diary. 
felt much turmoil of spirit in the prospect of having all my plans for the welfare of this great region and this teeming population knocked on the head by savages tomorrow. But I read that Jesus said, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the world. It is the word of a gentleman, said Livingston. A gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor, so there's no end of it. Should such a man as I flee? I feel quite calm now, thank God. Christian, there's, own, there's always two of you. There's always two of you. You're never alone. You might feel lonely, but you're not alone. So rise up today and take courage. Put sin to death and live for Christ and live for Christ. The first principle then is that God's purposes stand. The second principle is that God's promises are fulfilled. The third principle is that God's presence is with us. And then the fourth principle and final principle that I want to bring out is that the precepts of the Lord are our guide. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do, all, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God stirs Joshua up to holy courage through the fact that his purposes stand, his promises are always fulfilled, his presence is with him, and finally that his precepts will guide him. We wish people that happy and prosperous or successful new year, and we want that for ourselves, surely. Success and prosperity. Well, the way to success and prosperity is through meditating on God's Word and obeying it. It's a little bit different from what you're going to get out there as instruction for the way to success and prosperity in the new year. God says the same in verse 7, a verse earlier, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do, all, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. God's law here, the Torah, is not instruction that simply restricts or rebukes. It is precepts and directives given for wise living. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So the law of God doesn't save us. I fulfill the law for you, Jesus says. But I don't come to abolish it. And so we look to Christ, not the law, for our justification. But having come to Christ in faith, we're now driven back to the moral law to train us in godliness as we seek to obey by faith. You see, antinomianism, anti-law, antinomianism is anti-Joshua 1 and it is anti-Bible. And it is problematic in the church today. And it results in a lack of discipline and ungodliness which is just something to be aware of even as we urge one another on to become students of the Word. Joshua is called to meditate on the law so that he not only speaks the Word but does the Word. He practices what he preaches. 
Are you careful to obey the word? Careful, full of care to obey the word, not turning from the right or the left. And this idea of meditating on the law of the Lord, it sounds like Psalm 1, right? Psalm 1, the description of the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That word for meditate means to chew over or mutter in the Hebrew. So, so muttering the Scriptures would have been common practice back in the day. Now, be careful where you do it, but I actually recommend it. Okay, Muttering the Scriptures. It's like You know what it's like? You sit down to study the Bible and your eyes are crossing after two minutes, you get tired, right? Stand up and read the scriptures out loud. Careful where you do it, mind, but that's true meditation, though. Muttering the scriptures as you do, setting them in your mind, the verse, the order, the meaning, the application. And so you hide the word in your heart. What does the psalmist say in Psalm 119? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Young men in here, answer me this question. How will a young man keep his way pure? Of course, the answer is by guarding it according to your, that is God's word, Psalm 119. So men, don't meditate on your smartphone or pornography or PlayStation. Meditate on God's word. Let it sink into your mind. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Mutter God's word. Don't grumble against God's word. And make it a regular habit. Well, that's not cool, some people might say. Well, no. No, no. what's not cool is a generation of directionless, lightweight, insecure young men who don't fear the Lord. That's what's not cool. It's the same for young women. It's the same for all of us. What do you meditate on most? What is on your lips most? What are you muttering about? And when you meditate on the law of God habitually, when it's your delight, you know what happens? You develop sharp spiritual reflexes. You gain a a consistency in wise decision-making. Your biblical instincts are there. I don't have enough time, you say, to meditate on the Lord. Well, Joshua did. He was commanding hundreds of thousands of troops and had a lot more on his plate than you and I. But he made the time, and he made it his priority to meditate on and obey the law of God. This is a word to a generation of Christians, to us. Men and women of the past years, they were steeped in the Scriptures. They meditated on the Word. The reason many of you have come to this church in the last couple of years is because you recognize that the exposition of biblical truth has waned in the churches you left. But it's no good sitting under sound exposition if you don't make Bible reading and meditation a regular practice. If you don't, you will never be wise. You will never be wise. You'll be immature at best, foolish at worst. I do a lot of marriage and relationship counsel. And to a man and woman, those who come in crisis are never in the Word regularly. And when you point them back to meditation and and reading the Word, they make all sorts of excuses. 
So they struggle for victory over sin or they remain stuck in immaturity and they don't make progress. They never take ground for the kingdom in developing godliness of character or acting for the spread of the gospel. Husbands and wives, here is a firm challenge to you for 2023. Set up your home for success by living according to God's word. A home where a husband loves his wife and she respects her husband and the children obey their parents is a home that is taking ground for the kingdom of Christ. And here is a firm challenge for the church for 2023. In God's word, there are foundational and vital truths that I believe will increasingly take courage, holy courage, to affirm and to live by in 2023. Number one, fixed binary sexes, male and female. Number two, marriage between one man and one woman alone and sex within marriage alone. And number three, male headship in the home and church. A firm challenge. Will you see it in the word? Will you meditate upon it? And will you obey it? You might think you have a plan for success in 2023. But believe me, you will never be successful in God's eyes if that plan does not prioritize regular meditation on and obedience to the word of God. You will be directionless like a ship without a rudder and you will reflect the culture around which is angry, self-centered and immoral. So friends, here is a call to holy courage for a new year and holy courage for every year. But it's based on the knowledge that one, God's purposes always stand. Two, his promises are always fulfilled. Three, his presence is always with you. And four, his precepts are always your guide for success. It's interesting, as I, and I'll close now, it's interesting Isn't it that in verse 2, God tells Joshua that all the people will go over. You see that phrase there. You and all this people into the land, he says. All the people must act together to take the land. God is concerned with unity in his people. Unity in homes and in the church and every person playing their part. Lord Jesus, the better Joshua God who saves his people from their sins. He comes to you today and he's saying, I want all of you, the individual, and I want all of you together, the church. I want you without reservation. I want you without limitation. I want you to be strong and courageous and give yourself completely and promptly to me right now, trusting my purposes, promises, presence, and precepts. So friends, take courage, go forward in faith, and as it says in the word, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed as you approach a new year, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a stirring word to us today. Thank you that you are a God of of such magnitude, of such faithfulness, of such power, of such love. And I pray that you'd increase in us holy courage based on faith in these things that we've even heard this morning. That we would rise up here in our own generation as a courageous church becoming more holy 
and spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. I pray that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and let's sing once more together.